Welcome to the inaugural season of the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another podcast on the heels of the NCAA Men's and Women's Championship Games. What a great March has it has been for all you basketball fans. That includes Darren and I. We've been loving every minute of this. Minute of this. I'm so excited. I'm twisting my words. I'm stumbling <laughs> over my words. I, I, I got to slow down. Too much caffeine. Too much basketball. Darren, how exactly. are you doing? You know, it's been a fun few days of basketball. When you're so worked up about it, the English language becomes difficult. That's just a sign of how much fun we've had. It's, it's nothing negative. It's just it's how good things have been. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. We are so grateful for all of y'all listening. And we're grateful for an incredible tailgate recipe that we received. I don't know how many people got to try it out, but wow. Yeah, it looked incredible. I'm sure many people got to try it out or chose to. And we will uh, give an update on our, our tourney bracket challenge because I think we have a winner, Zach. And so uh, we'll be sending a gift out to that individual. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. And yes. remember, um, if you have been counting the number of times we've said the word madness, there's another time right there. <laughs> uh, and you can correctly tell us how many times the word madness has been used throughout the month of March. You also are eligible for a very special gift from the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. So be sure to respond to us on Twitter. Send us a message on on Gmail, Brew and Shavers, Brew and Shavers at gmail.com. Brew and Shavers at gmail.com. I'm thinking about North Carolina and Kansas. Exactly. Thoughts of championships dancing in your head. That's the issue right there, right? Focus, Ben. Focus, focus. So before we get to the uh, men's championship game, let's talk about a terrific uh, women's tournament uh, that concluded this past Sunday night with South Carolina winning its second national championship under coach Don Staley, defeating the Yukon Huskies 64 to 49. Congratulations uh, to South Carolina. They absolutely, uh, they have the player of the year in uh, the Boston girl, 6'5". She just completely dominated throughout this tournament against much UConn so. as well. But what a great game. And, Darren, there's some history here. Not only is it South Carolina's second national championship, but this game was historic for UConn because it was a first for them. Yes, they had been to 11 uh, previous uh, national championship games, and their record in those 11 games was 11-0. and 0. So now they go into this one, and their record is now 11-1. and So South Carolina was able to uh, uh, break the streak. Uh, They will forever have that distinction of being the first one to to hand UConn, the incredible UConn program. No matter what you think about their coach or, or if you do or don't like dynasties, you have to give them absolute credit for what they've done, uh, you know, in, in, in women's basketball, NCAA basketball. Uh, but, you know, South Carolina not only wins their next, second national championship, but they get to at least say for now 
that they're the one in 11 and one for UConn. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say. Yeah. I heard this week, someone was making a big deal about how um, Connecticut ha- is undefeated in national championship games. Mm-hmm. And when that was brought to uh, the South Carolina coach, Don Staley's attention, she said, well, we're undefeated too. We're one and <laughs> See, there you go. Undefeated <laughs> is, is all perspective. You're both undefeated. But you know what, that kind of attitude and that kind of response, and, and I say attitude in a positive way, not in a negative way in any way, that, that's part of what got them there to that place. I mean, they have been a team on a mission uh, the, the entire season, and especially once they got into tournament play, you, you could see it, that they were there for a reason, that they felt like they had a job to, they had something, a mission to accomplish, and, and they did it, and good for them. Mm-hmm. And, and women's basketball is an incredibly fun sport to watch. It's yes. incredibly uh, competitive. Uh, I encourage you to, to check it out uh, when next season comes around. Uh, so let's stay in women's college basketball because we have some big news, and that is out of Baton Rouge, some mm-hmm. actually good news, which everyone in Baton Rouge is thankful for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kim Mulkey, the head coach of the women's basketball team, was named the Associated Press Coach of the Year. Yes, uh, and, and I think, uh, obviously, even though she didn't, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, she didn't win the SEC uh, Coach of the Year, but I, I think this is an acknowledgement from a national perspective because that's, you know, that's the platform she's been on for years at Baylor, uh, and I think this is an acknowledgement from the national platform or perspective of just everyone really honestly sees how incredible the job was that, that she did at LSU this year to go from, you know, was it single-digit wins? last year uh, to have the season that they had this past season. Uh, like I said, I, I think this is really a pretty cool acknowledgement of the job she, she has done and how quickly she elevated the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big things coming for LSU women and it's yes. a bright spot right now. As far as I know, there are no notice of allegations against the LSU <laughs> women's program. And that's a, a big, big relief. Yes. Uh, so in some other coaching news, uh, the, the hottest coach coming out of this tournament for the men uh, was Shaheen Holloway yes. from St. Peter's with that historic run, first time a 15 seed has ever made it to the Elite Eight. Yes. And uh, it was pretty much the worst kept secret ever that he yeah. was probably going to go back to Seton Hall where he played. And Darren, that, ha- that is official now. Uh, he is returning to his alma mater. Yes. And, and like we talked about in, in previous episodes, you know, the coach that was leaving, leaving to go to Virginia, you know, was talking about Shaheem Holloway basically on the way out the door. Uh, so you're right. It was absolutely the, the worst kept secret. But uh, he is now there at his alma mater, can, can uh, continue to, to build or, or start to build and, and accomplish even more at Seton Hall than he did at St. Peter's. And we don't know all the details of his contract, but what we do know is that his base salary is $2.4 million a year over uh, a six-year, and he does have a six-year contract. Uh, and that is a astronomical inc- increase over what he was making uh, at, at St. Peter's. Uh, obviously, that's going to be the case with the difference in the schools and the athletic budgets. But so he definitely got an increase and an upgrade in salary and um, can can start hopefully accomplishing at his alma mater what we see uh, some other coaches throughout the years accomplish at their alma mater. So hopefully it'll be a great opportunity for him. 
Yeah, it, it, uh, great. It's well-earned. Uh, he yes. uh, shows that he's appreciated. It's much like we had to do with you, Darren, when we got news that ESPN was trying to pry you from the <laughs> podcast. Thankfully, we had some donors step up and we were That's able to right. put together an That's attractive right. package for you. ESPN just couldn't get there. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to Baton Rouge. We were just there a second ago with good news. Here's some not-so-good news. <laughs> Now the other side. (laughs) Since Will Will Wade's firing, uh, the LSU men's basketball team has lost every single player on the roster from this past season. That is, that is almost a breathtaking statement. If you consider, if you just look at it from the, the historical perspective, if you look at it strictly from a fan perspective, you know, if you're if you're a big LSU fan. I mean, what a deflating headline to hear or to read that not only have you lost your coach, you've received notice of allegations, which led to the, the, the firing of that coach. You know that there's probably going to be some scholarship issues uh, coming down the pike over the next two to three years, some postseason issues you know, coming down the pike uh, over the next two to three years. So just in case you haven't had enough fun with all of those headlines, now you read or hear that literally every scholarship player is in the portal. There is no one left that had scholarship playing time last year in Baton Rouge. They, they're, they're all gone. Uh, and that's, that's amazing. And, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, the overall transfer, transfer portal. Boy, that one is difficult. I wish they'd come up with something else to name it. Cause that one kind of whips me every single time, but <laughs> uh, we'll talk about additional portal information. I'll just skip the transfer part. Maybe that'll help. Um, in just a little bit, but it really does tell you kind of where things are uh, with with college athletics. When a coach leaves, and within uh, you know just a matter of days, uh, or a coach is fired, uh, and within just a matter of days, every single player is gone. Uh, you know, there's there's an upside to that from the coming the coach that's coming in, but there's there's an enormous downside to that too. I mean, you're talking about starting from scratch. Boy, it, I McMahon is starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. He's definitely going to get the to build the the team the way he wants to build yes. the team, and it's going to be. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be painful, but there's a chance though that this can be a rallying point for mm-hmm. LSU fans. If you remember, after Kentucky was hit with those serious allegations, mm-hmm. and Patino was there, and and they they got those those local in-state guys and the state just rallied around them it was a source yeah. of pride and, yeah and mcmahon has that that opportunity here mm-hmm. it's going to be hard uh, i think most likely this is going to be a very difficult and long season next year for lsu yeah. men um, and and you still got the allegations looming over the program with no decision yet from the ncaa yeah and to me you know the the, the up or, or the thing that kind of gives us a little bit of a silver lining is, is yes, all the players have left the for the are, and are now in the transfer portal. But the good news is there is a transfer portal, so there also is a place that that uh, McMahon could potentially go and get some guys to come in and make a, make an impact. However, the the difficulty of that is you just don't know what it looks like going forward. So you're talking to guys that are in the transfer portal, trying to get them to come to Baton Rouge. But you can't tell them, yes, you'll be playing in the SEC tournament. Yes, we'll have the possibility of playing in the in the, in madness or at least the NIT. You, you can't 
you honestly can't say to them that any of that is a possibility because you just don't know. And so that makes it that makes it a very difficult uh, process for him, an even more difficult process. Yeah, a, a lot to watch and see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the transfer portal, Darren, you've got some eye-popping statistics about the number of basketball players who are currently in, in the portal. How, how many are in, in the portal? You know, the incredible thing is we, uh, we are just uh, – we've just crowned our national champion. Uh, and even prior to the final four beginning, the number were the numbers were astounding. But still, uh, right now there are 1,130 players already in the NCAA transfer portal. And if you think about it, yes, uh, there's 330 teams, you know, or, or whatever that exact 331, what, whatever that exact number is that are that are D1 basketball schools. But still, even at that, that's more than three players per team. And when you look at the limited amount of scholarships that a basketball team has compared to, you know, when you think about football teams, how many scholarships they, that's a large, that's a pretty significant impact to have that many on average. And it's actually right around three and a half uh, players per team that have already left the team. That that makes a significant impact on 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 any team, and and obviously some teams it'll hit even harder because you know you have some that only lost one player, and then you've got LSU that lost everyone. So so there's some some real difficulties when you've got that many people leaving teams as soon as the season is over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what's you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and what do you have? The transfer portal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about um, real quick. Uh, you know, what's happening at LSU, and uh, w- w- a lot of attention has been put on LSU lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this wiretap probe by the FBI involved a number of schools, yes. including uh, Arizona, Auburn. Um, we just heard recently about Memphis. Yes, um, uh, Kansas, Louisville, Louisville, Kansas. Louisville. Yep. And Kansas is getting ready to, to play for a national title, and they received five level one violations. Yep. Uh, among them was a head coach responsibility charge against Coach Bill Self and that dreaded lack of institutional control. Now, people were outraged that when this came out against LSU. Yeah. But what what's going on here with, with Kansas, and what is happening with the NCAA? And if you remember, uh, and, and I don't remember all the exact details, but I'm pretty confident in my timeline, you know, one of the incredible things when you think about how long it's taken for the NCAA to do something about this, it was right either right after or right before these notices of allegations came out that uh, Kansas had their their uh, midnight madness, whatever they call it in Kansas, and, and it was an absolute spectacle that included uh, Snoop Dogg. And it ended up being that Bill something that Bill Self actually had to come out and apologize for, or issue in a, in a statement about, or something. And so, not not only is all of that happening, and and nothing seems to be happening from the NCAA uh, uh, side of it, but even in the midst of it going on, they're playing for national championships and doing things that are so off the rails that they have to issue statements about it. That's a pretty incredible thing. So you're not a Snoop Dogg fan? I am a Snoop Dogg fan, but I don't know that that 
in the middle of allegations that he's who you invite to Mar- to Midnight Madness. I'm just saying. <laughs> <Am> I- <laughs> yeah. And Darren, I mean, I think you raise a great point. I, I was reading on uh, CBS Sports, and they have uh, the timeline of these allegations. Mm-hmm. And the latest activity in the NCAA's case against Kansas, August 30th, 2021. And here's what CBS reports. The complex case unit responded to Kansas, which has disputed the charges, with additional clarity regarding investigative matters. That was August 30th, 2021. We are in April Mm -hmm. of 2022. And still nothing has happened. How How can we even take the NCAA serious? Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, Seriously. And, you know, this this also leads to the whole conversation about uh, it, it's it's taken place more on the football side than the basketball side. But the potential of, of these power five school, you know, these leagues that that uh, are the schools that make up these power five conferences, just kind of liberating themselves and 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 overseeing themselves and, and just not even messing with the NCAA uh, and, and when you've got this slow uh, of a process, and, and I don't mean to sound whatever, but I also think the slowness of the process sometimes is is in direct proportion to uh, the limelight or the spotlight that the school uh, that, that's being looked into to has. Uh, I think sometimes uh, the smaller schools that won't get as deep of an investigation and won't get as or, or an inspection it won't get as much press i think sometimes their their things come through quicker uh on the smaller schools and and so I, that just all leads to like you said how can you take the ncaa seriously and and how can they even pretend i i guess this is how you end up with with uh um ni nil is that right is that right yeah, name yeah. Agent, I got confused there for a minute with that and national NLI or national letter of intent or whatever. Uh, so NIL, I guess that's how that ends up happening. They know they can't legislate it. They know they can't really uh, watch over it. So let's just make it legal or, or make it permissible. Not a matter of legality, but make it permissible. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy times. Um, Definitely. You know, LSU fires Will Wade. Um, Kansas receives equally disturbing allegations. Uh, think they'll you think Bill self survives? I, I, you know, unless unless it is just something that comes out that they can't get control of from a PR perspective, I, I don't I don't think it affects Bill self in one way or the other. Uh, I, I think. I think he does. I'd be surprised. And you know, the truth of it is the way, the way things happen. I mean, look at <clears throat> Rick Pitino, look at uh, the Auburn head coach who we talked about off air that I'm now just blank on Bruce uh, Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Thank you. You know, he had show calls attached to his name and still would it take three years and, and he had another job. So even if by some chance it does affect Bill self, it won't be for long. You know, somebody yeah. will come, somebody will come calling. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some good news in college basketball, and and that takes us to the NIT, often overlooked in tournament, but it's still a great tournament, and I love that they play the the championship at Madison Square Garden. How Absolutely. fun is that? Yes. Um, congratulations to Xavier uh, for winning, beating Texas A and M in the championship game, seventy three to seventy two. 
the winning shot came from Jack Nungy, the seven-footer for Xavier. Uh, I believe he banked in that shot. Yes. Um, and that put him up. A&M had a chance late, and you talked about this, Darren. Um, boy, it sure looked for a second that was going to go in. You know, just in case A&M didn't have enough that was breaking their heart with the way their postseason is went, I mean, that – that ball did everything but come out of the bottom of the basket. I mean, it went down just about as far as it could go down and then popped right back up. Uh, I honestly was just about out of my seat. I thought it was going in. I thought they had won the game. Uh, and then it popped right back out. But you, your heart couldn't help but break, especially with everything that they've been through this postseason, the way they played in the SEC, not getting into, into the NCAA tournament. But, man, they played a strong tournament, uh, and Xavier did as well. Xavier was a tough team that had a strong paint presence, uh, and, and they dominated uh, when they needed to. Uh, and this game was super exciting, uh, but Texas A&M came out on the, the short end of it. So, so congratulations, Xavier. First yes. NIT championship since 1958. Yes. So let's shift gears a little bit, and let's go to football, where, Darren, you have continued to kindle this passion – for the USFL, and so what's the latest on, on the league? Well, uh, the as we talked about last time, uh, anything and everything that is, you know, what I almost called it fall camp, honestly, but it's not uh, not fall camp because because we're, we're in the spring, uh, and they are uh, all all camps are in in full. Uh, full swing. Uh, you're starting to get some information about uh, starters and, and who's going to be starting and who's going to be, uh, you know, running backs and quarterbacks and depth charts and all that stuff is coming out. And the most exciting thing, even without all of that, and, and after we get through March Madness, we'll talk a little bit more about the players, some of the guys that 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 you'll, names you'll recognize, where they'll be playing. But we are just over uh, a week just just short of a, or just over a week and a half away from our first kickoff that game that's going to be televised on both Fox and NBC uh, and then our full slate of schedules on that Sunday which also includes the New Orleans uh, New Orleans Breakers uh, so it's it's a very very fun time that we are just days from kickoff is basically upon us and so then like i said next time we talk when we're kind of winding down from basketball we'll talk about a few of those players to be looking for especially in those first couple of games and uh man it's exciting to they have really done well they are building a lot and doing it well and hopefully it's going to be something for the for the hardcore football fans that they'll have a little bit more football than they they did this time a couple of years ago that'll last longer than the xfl did yeah uh more football sounds sounds good to me. It's a winning formula. Now, we've got more to talk about, particularly with the Final Four and the National Championship game on the men's side. But before we get to that last part of our show where we want to spend that time, here's the latest installment of This Week in Sports History. To 1943. The NFL, for the first time, makes helmets mandatory for all players. Although John T. Riddle had introduced more durable plastic helmets in 1939, the NFL did not specify which type of helmet was mandatory, and most players opted for the widely used leather helmets. Face mask bars would not be added until the 1950s. Oh, thank you.
as promised, we are now going to talk a little bit about basketball uh, because the Final Four just happened and the national championship game uh, took place last night. And what an incredible tournament this has been. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about the Final Four, uh, Darren. We had in the early game, Kansas beating Villanova 81 to 65, a, a game really where Kansas dominated the inside, the, the paint, they, uh, the McCormick kid, uh, rebounding, scoring, just kind of took over that game on the inside. W- what else did you see in the Kansas-Villanova game? Well, you know, that really was one of the biggest things that, that you can tell uh, or you could see even in um, when Villanova would put together runs. It, it was typically when McCormick was on the bench, specifically at the end of the first half. Uh, he just had such a dominance in the paint uh, that, you know, even with uh, Villanova and the things they were, were able to do and the scoring, especially, you know, Gillespie, man, that, that guy had a game. Uh, I can't even remember what what he ended up with, with 17 points and Daniels had like 13. Uh, those two guys had some really, really uh, nice games. But, but even with that, um, it was just there was so much dominance in the paint. Kansas ended up, I think, the final scoring was thirty-two to sixteen in the paint, and that just that's impossible to overcome. Uh, and it made the difference in the game. And and again, you know, McCormick is is who ha- established that dominance. Uh, so when he was out of the game, Villanova would make a little bit of a run. But then as soon as he got back in the game, that they'd start feeding him. And he was just kind of in an unstoppable place. I think they came up against him on the worst possible day, truthfully, because he just had a will to dominate, and you could see it. Yeah, that was obviously uh, Kansas's, uh, you know, game plan throughout. They started off on fire, um, got I think up ten zero before yes. Villanova scored, and and Villanova great offense, great ex- execution, but um, but I just think they didn't have an answer for McCormick. And, and, you know, honestly, I think the other thing that really led to that huge, uh, you know, that first 10 minutes being so ugly for Villanova was was the turnover bug bit them. I, I think they ended up having, what, eight turnovers for the entire game, and five of those eight were in the first 10 minutes. They just mm-hmm. could not, even when Kansas didn't stop them, uh, or even when Kansas didn't, you know, McCormick didn't did, didn't score in the paint, they didn't do something on the offensive end, they would come down in transition and throw the ball away. Uh, and, and so that that really led to that. That first 10 minutes of that game really set the tone for the entire game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and in the second game of, of the Final Four was uh, North Carolina Duke. Uh, heavily hyped Coach K's last Final Four. The first time Duke and North Carolina have ever played in the Final Four against each other. And, Darren, this game did not disappoint at all. No. No, it lived up to the hype in every way possible. Uh, I would like to say that uh, Rusty and I were both uh, correct that the pressure was too much for Duke's players in this game. Uh, and, and they succumbed to the pressure in North Carolina. I, I'd just like to point that out. I <laughs> Oh, yeah, but you're right. It, it did not disappoint at all. Uh, it, you know, both of these teams, you could tell uh, that that it, it just 
it was a very highly contested. You know, the other thing I will say that one of the things that really stood out to me about that game was how athletic that game was. When you watch both of those teams, there was some some extreme athleticism on the floor, and you could see it. You know, with with the elevation on jumps, the blocks that were made, rebounding stuff like that. There was some extreme athleticism on the floor between those two teams, and they and they were at their max performance. You could see that as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, you know, eighty-one seventy-seven, the game really went down to the wire, back and forth. It was a fun, fun game to watch. And at the end of the day, North Carolina wins. And Caps a terrific career by uh, Coach K. Five national championships, yes. second only to John Wooden. But, you know, watching him after the game was over was a reaffirmation about what we're losing. He yes. stayed on that court. He greeted every single coach from North Carolina, every yeah. single player. He Absolutely. was incredibly gracious in defeat in his post-game press conference. He didn't want to talk about it being his final game. He wanted to talk about the players. Yeah. And, um, boy, I, I was watching that, Darren, thinking, man, we're going to miss this. Yeah, that, that's very, very correct. And, and you know, you hear people tell stories – uh, to me, one of the fun things about the last or about the process of this season, especially the last couple of months, is the stories about Coach K off the court. You know, contact with fans, calling people that are sick. Uh, you know, uh, it's just stuff that that is so outside of anything that anyone would expect. And it was just what he did on the court and off the court. That's pretty awesome, and I and I think you summed that up pretty well. We're going to miss that for sure. Well, that set up a monumental national championship game yes. last night. Yes. North Carolina and Kansas going head to head. And what a, it was, it's not a tale of two cities. It was a tale of two halves. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and, you know, I don't, don't, don't want to be redundant uh, in, in what, what I say here, but you, you know, you could see a little bit of the 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 McCormick train being being ridden by Kansas in this game as well. Uh, he was a definite presence in the paint. I think in the first half, uh, Baycott uh, for North Carolina kind of offset that a little bit, and then that wasn't there in the second half. But uh, you know, you you and I talked about it uh, uh, during the game last night. You know, not only was this a a monumental game just in and of itself, but but you made the point that this is this was a record setting game. Yeah, you know, I think was it sixteen points was the largest comeback ever in, in NCAA uh, championship game history. Uh, and that's pretty incredible. Uh that because this North North Carolina team was a good team. Uh and I'll go back to come a couple of our last recordings uh, again. Uh, Rusty is also his his uh, silver lining in the night is uh, UNC did not win, so Villanova still holds the <laughs> holds the spot of the only eight seed to win the championship. So so that that works. Uh, uh, but you know this North Carolina team came out of nowhere, but was a good team once they got there, and especially the way they played against Duke, you could kind of see it. It made sense that they were there. Uh, but this, this Kansas team, man, they were just, and I think going back to our original brackets, I, I think I had them going out second round 
<laughs> being being the Bill Self team that laid the ultimate egg may have missed that one just a hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, being a number one seed to me, they somehow were managing to fly under the radar throughout this yep. tournament. Completely, and agree. I think it worked to their advantage. They got healthy at the right time, uh, but you know, North Carolina came out just really took it to him in the first half. And yep. I think we got to give credit to Bill Self. He made some halftime adjustments. One of the Definitely. adjustments I noticed was he, he brought McCormick up to, um, to uh, out from, from under the basket to the free mm-hmm. throw line. Yeah. And that opened up lanes for cutters yeah. and the Braun kid took advantage of that. And it really, it really spurred them. Now at the end of the game, they went back to McCormick underneath the basket, yep. especially uh, when Baycott went out with 38.5 seconds, yeah, Man- Manic just, I mean, try as hard as he could. He he just, he, he couldn't handle McCormick on the inside. And uh, no, but boy, you know, just when you think the game is over, then, you know, what, 4.3 seconds left North, yeah. North uh, Kansas has to inbound the ball. The game Inb- be over. The guy steps out of bounds. Oh, couldn't believe that. You know, there were a couple of, of things tonight where you could see, even though these teams are good, and they have very strong athletes. There were there were a few moments where very simple things like that happen that you could see, you can see honestly. It's a reminder that we're dealing with eighteen to twenty two year old kids, and this is a high pressure situation. I, I can't remember if it was first half or I think it was second. Yeah, it was definitely second half. I just can't remember how early on in the second half it was when the guy stepped over the line. Uh, he started to throw the ball in, and, and and the guy got covered, or what? It was just like, oh, how do you how do you do it? But that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, it's these high pressure situations. So, yeah, it's 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 fun to watch, but there are moments when it reminds you just how just how difficult of a circumstance it can be as well, especially for the ones that are out on the floor playing. Yeah, that's that's a great reminder that we all need to have that these these yep. are kids playing. But congratulations for Kansas winning yes. 72 to 69, a game that went down to the wire, a hard fought game. North Carolina, great season, came up a little bit short. And so now, Bill Self, uh, with Coach K retiring, there's only three active coaches now that have multiple national championships. Mm-hmm. Bill Self joins that team uh, along with Rick Patino and Jay Wright at Villanova. Yep. So it's kind of a trade off, even though. As a Villanova fan, you don't want – you didn't want Kent, uh, North Carolina to win because you want to be the only eighth seed to ever win. But now right. Bill Self has tied um, Jay Wright and Rick Pitino with multiple – two national championships each. Boy, and that's a, that's a pretty good club to be in, and those names being thrown around. That's, that's a pretty good club. Yes, it is. It is. So now that basketball is over, Darren, uh, what's next for the sports world? I know you've been talking about the USFL, but um, what are we going to watch now? Well, in addition to the USFL, you've also got, if you're a diehard football fan, uh, you've also got spring uh, basketball, not spring basketball, sorry. <laughs> I, guess the, I guess the late night of watching the game last night is catching up with me. I guess that's what's going on. Uh, <laughs> you've got uh, spring football, college spring football. And I think this coming weekend, over the next two Saturdays, it doesn't matter which conference you follow. It doesn't matter which team you follow. You're going to get some, some spring college football. Because I, I think, 
I think there's like six or eight games on the SEC network that are spring uh, college games this weekend. Uh, the same thing for for um, ACC, uh, Big Ten or Big Ten, not ACC, Big Ten network. Uh, so, you know, you can get all the football you want. And, of course, USFL, you can't go wrong with that. I'm excited for us to be talking about that a little bit more. But, you know, you and I have talked before about things that kind of transcend their their, their sport. Uh, you know, we've talked about Daytona. And, honestly, I can't even remember. Was it the football national championship we talked about? Was that Was that kind of what started that conversation? You know, the football national championship, March Madness, you know, people that don't even follow basketball are filling out their bracket and cheering for a team because it's who they pick, you know, and it kind of transcends its sports. Uh, we also have another one of those moments where an event transcends its sport coming up this coming weekend with the Masters. Uh, and even people that don't really follow golf uh, kind of get into the Masters, pay attention a little bit more to it, kind of see who the big names are, who's on the leaderboard. And, and it's really interesting the amount of people that follow golf can kind of tell you where things are on Sunday uh, just because it's such a big event. So that is coming up. I think practice rounds start maybe even today. Uh, I know for sure tomorrow, but they may start today, and then the actual first round is Thursday. So that, that'll be coming up. You can watch that. Uh, if you're a, a hacker at golf like I am, just get over the fact how easy these guys make it look. It's still <laughs> enjoyable to watch. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, the, the talent that these guys have is, is just incredible. So Yes. Um, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but that's that's it for basketball. So we're moving on to other sports, and there's always something to talk about. And we appreciate everyone, all of you listening to the show. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen on Spotify, Hit that rating button, and if your finger lands on five stars, we won't argue a bit. We if will consider it a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review. Uh, we look forward to seeing your reviews, reading them on future podcast episodes. Uh, remember the link to our blog and any other links we mention is in the show description each week. Email us at brewandshavers at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at brewandshavers. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and look forward to talking more sports with you next week. So until then, take care. Have a great week.